You're listening to Different, a sermon series about what it means to be a Christian. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. Look at the person next to you and just say you're welcome. Yep. Tell them, tell them they don't have to thank you for sitting by them, but they're, you know, you're welcome anyway. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I am so glad that you are joining us today. We are in week three of a series that we are calling Different. Different. So look at the person sitting next to you and tell them they're different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now tell the person you really wanted to tell sitting by that they're different, right? And now look at the person that you've been talking to and say, if he makes me talk to you one more time, I'm never coming back to this church. I didn't come here to talk to nobody. I came to learn. All right, yeah, but we are all different. We all are different. We look different. We talk different. We act different. We dress different. Yet, for the most part, really at our core, we are oftentimes the the same with so many marriages falling apart, with so many families being busted up, with so many people struggling financially and so many people hurting one another just to make themselves feel better. Uh, so many people lying, so many people stealing, so many people cheating. Uh, again, even though we might look different, again, at our core, oftentimes we, we are very, very similar. But God has called us to be different. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we've been looking at this verse every week during this series, but the Apostle Paul tells us, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. He basically says, do not be like this world. Do not, do not be like everyone else. He says, be different. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Again, we are supposed to be different. So in this series, what we've been talking about is several of the differences that God would have us to have. We started the series off by talking about how we're supposed to have a different kind of faith, how everybody who lives in this world, no matter what their religious preference is, they have some level of faith. But our faith as followers of Christ is to be different. We put our faith in Christ. And because our faith is in Christ, we listen to Christ. We follow Christ. Again, our faith is in Him. Last week, we talked about how we're supposed to have different values than the people of the world have, how we are supposed to go to the Bible as our source. The Bible is supposed to tell you and I where we're going to invest our time, our energy, and our resources. Again, we have a different value system. And today, I wonder, how many of you would just be excited and overwhelmed with anticipation if I was to say, hey, you know, I want to tell you what God's call is on your life. If I was to say, hey, how many of y'all want to know what God's call is on your life? I mean, you'd be like, man, I'm all ears. I want to know what it is that he wants me to do. If you're not raising your hand or you didn't raise your hand, uh, you're going to find the rest of the message really boring. So I hope you'll just nod your head and make me feel better as I'm up here, here talking. But again, most people, they want to they know what is God calling me to do. And, and what I want you to understand is that God, again, has set you and I apart. He has called us to be different. And the calling that God has on your life and on my life and on followers of Christ is it's a different call. It's a different call than the call that the world would have 
for you. Now, how many of you have ever been speaking to somebody? You've been speaking to somebody and you were talking to them, but you knew for a fact they were not listening to what you were saying. If you're married or you have kids, your hands should be up. You know what I mean? Except for me, my wife and kids always listen to me. Just kidding. But anyway, so, uh, but man, it happens. There are times where we'll be talking to somebody and we know for a fact they're not listening to us. We'll even look at them and say, are, are you even listening to me? Has anybody ever said that? And what do they say? Oh, yeah, 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 I got you, I got you. But you know, again, that they're, they're just not listening. It happens, man. It, it happened to me this morning. It happens to me every time I go to McDonald's, right? I go through the drive through and I'm like, hey, I want a quarter pounder meal plain with a Coke to drink. They're like, you want a Big Mac and a Dr. Pepper? No, I want a quarter pounder meal plain with a Coke to drink. So do you want to make that a meal? Yes! I want a quarter pounder meal plain with a Coke to drink. What do you want to drink with that? I want a Coke, man, in the words of the great theologian DMX. Y'all gonna make me lose my mind up in here, right in the drive-thru at least. Man, I just get so upset. Anyway, does that ever happen to you? You're like, your, your job is to listen to what I'm telling you, what I want, and you're not listening. Again, it just happens all the time. It happens with us when we're talking to people, and, and even us. There are times, though, when someone's talking to us and we're not listening. It happens. It happens. So it happens to us when we're talking to people. It happens to uh, us when people are talking to us. But it even happens to us when it comes to hearing from God. There are a lot of times that God is speaking, and we're just not listening. See, I believe that God speaks. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. He wants to speak to each and every one of us. And the primary way that God speaks to us is, guess what? It's through His holy word. But usually, if we even pick up a Bible, usually if we ever even read it, a lot of times we'll read the words that are on that page, but we'll immediately forget what it is that we just read. You might know what I'm talking about. We just forget what he's actually saying. We're not really paying attention. But if you will spend time really reading the Word of God, and if you'll spend time really trying to search out the Word of God and allowing it to really feed your soul, it'll be amazing to you what will jump off the pages to you and to me. See, I've been reading the book of First Peter uh, here lately, we're going to get to that book uh, eventually, but I've been reading the book of First Peter, and it's amazing some of the things that have been jumping out to me, and if you read that book, what you're going to see is that there's this theme, there's this word that keeps occurring over and over and over again. Uh, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a, 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 different, a different way of saying something, but there's this word, these words that appear again over and over. It's the word call, it's the word calling, and it's the word called. I mean, you can't read that book and not see those words over and over and over and over again. Now, whenever you realize that you have been called to do something or when you have been chosen to do something, I don't know if you'll admit this, but it kind of gets you excited, doesn't it? I mean, like, uh, how many teachers we got here? Teachers, a couple of y'all, some of y'all don't want to admit it. You're like, man, I just do it, man, I just do it. But anyway, how, how, does, how does a kid... How does a kid respond when they've been chosen to be the line leader, right? They're like, I'm the line leader. There's a little bit of boldness, right? 
that happens there. When somebody tries to break in front of them, what are they like? Oh, 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 I'm the line leader. Not today, Satan. I'm the line leader. Anybody, does that, have you seen that happen? Kids get excited about that. And it's not just kids that get excited when they're chosen to do something. Even us as adults, we get excited. Have you ever been to Walmart or Kroger and you're just waiting in the only line that is open, right? You're waiting and you're waiting and all of a sudden you hear somebody say, excuse me. Excuse me, sir, excuse me, miss. And you look over, and it's another associate that works there. And they're like, I'll take you on my, my lane. I'm, I'm fixing to open up my lane. They chose you, right? So when you're walking by all those people who are in line, it's like you're at a parade, right? <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You feel, you feel bold. Yeah, they saw me. They saw me. And so you're excited about that. Again, it happens when you and I are called, when we're chosen we really do we have this this boldness and this sense of empowerment that kind of happens for us now when you hear that word called when you hear that word called uh like what am i called to do you need to understand that there are three basic types of calling uh, and that's what i want to talk to you about today three basic types of calling if you're keeping notes you want to write them down the first type of calling that i want you to see that exists for every person in this room and every person on this earth is there is an eternal call of Christ. There's this eternal call of Christ. There's this, this eternal call to Christ. Today, the Holy Spirit of God is trying to win people over to God the Father. The Holy Spirit is trying to create a hunger and a thirst for righteousness in your heart and in the hearts and lives of everyone on this planet. But but. It's God's will. It, it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to life. So again, there is this eternal call for each and every one of us to come to know Christ. See, God wants each and every person to say yes to the grace of Jesus. And so the apostle Peter, he, he writes, when he's writing about calling in 1 Peter, in the book of 1 Peter, he, he knows that for a, a fact because he knows what it's like to receive this call to come to Christ. See, see Peter uh, was a professional fisherman. And when I say he was a professional fisherman, I don't mean he just had a boat and he would go to Eagle Lake or he would go to the reservoir. I mean that he depended upon this as his occupation. He had to catch enough fish so that he could sell fish in the marketplace to take care of himself and to take care of those uh, around him. And so there's this day, there's this day that he's been out fishing, he's fished all day, and he's caught absolutely nothing. And so as he's coming in, there's someone on the shore who says, hey, why don't you cast your net on the other side of the boat? And if you're Peter and you're this professional fisherman, how many of y'all ever had somebody tell you how to do your job and you're like, dude, I know how to do my job, right? And so I can just imagine Peter thinking, who is this guy on the side of the shore telling me what to do? That's a rabbi. He needs to stick to teaching. I, I am the professional fisherman. I know how to do this. But nonetheless, Peter listens to this man. He listens to this rabbi who is Jesus. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 6, the Bible says this, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. He caught so many fish again, their nets were tearing, but that's not even the best part. Man, check out what it goes on to say in verse, in verse 7. It says, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. 
And they came and filled both boats full, so full that they began to sink. They began to sink. Man, these boats were sinking. Man, this is exciting and terrifying all at the same time. Hey, guys, look at all these fish. Oh, no, we're sinking. I mean, can you imagine being in this situation there? Again, it's exciting. It's terrifying. So Peter knew, man, this wasn't just a great day on the water. This was, this was a miraculous catch. This wasn't just a great day. It was a supernatural day. And so Peter looks at this rabbi, again, whose name is Jesus, and he says, Sir, go away from me. Because I am a sinful man. And I can see Jesus kind of smiling. And he says this in Luke chapter 5, verse 10. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to fish for people. And he says, just come and follow me. Come to me. Jesus called Peter out of where he was to come and follow him. And I want you to know that there is this eternal call for each and every person on this planet to do the same thing, to come and follow Christ, this eternal call to Christ. Then there's a second type of call, and this second type of call is the type of call that most people get so excited about, and that's where they spend so much of their time and so much of their energy, and it's this call to a temporary assignment, a call to a temporary assignment. What does this mean? It means maybe you are called to preach. You are called to pastor. You are called to teach. You are called to be a missionary. You are called to be a nurse. You are called to do whatever, maybe to go and study something in school, or you are called just to check on somebody. Have you ever felt this this deep urge, this deep calling in your life to call and just check on somebody? And when you do, when you are obedient to that call, something amazing happens and you're just like, wow, only way that I knew to do that was because of God. Again, this call to this temporary assignment and we get so excited about that. We want to know what we're supposed to do. We want to know what we're supposed to do. We want to know what we're supposed to do. Everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to know, but we're not really even going to talk about that call very much. In fact, I want to talk to you about the third call. The third call, there's this call, this eternal call to Christ. There's this call to a temporary assignment. But the third call is one that we often overlook. But it's a calling that God has for everyone who's a follower of Christ. And that's a calling to a different standard of living. It's a calling to a different standard of living. But again, when we think of calling, we think about what is it that I'm supposed to do? What am, I, what am I called to do? What am I called to do? But, but God doesn't start with what you're called to do. He, he starts with the who. You know what I mean? He starts with the who. He's more concerned with the who. What in the world are you saying, Robert? What I want you to understand is that God is more concerned with who you are, who you are becoming. He's more concerned with your motives, with your heart, with integrity. He's more concerned with who you are than he is with what you do. Because if you know who you are, you'll know what to do. For example, years ago when Amanda and I, when we first started dating, been married for a while now, uh, but we first started dating, I remember our very first date, we went to a place called Fazoli's. Anybody remember that place? Man, are they still even open? I miss that place. Lasagna, Alfred, they had these breadsticks. Man, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. 
So, uh, but we went on our first day. We went on our first day. We went to Fazoli's, and I remember all this happened really fast. But I get out of the car. She gets out of the car, and we're walking into the restaurant. Walking into the restaurant. She's a little before me, but she gets to the door, and she stops. And I'm thinking, what's she doing? Did she become a statue? Why'd she stop? Why'd she stop walking? But then it hit me. See, I'm the man. I am a man. And if I'm going to be a gentleman, if I'm really going to be a man, period, you know what I'm supposed to do? I open that door. Ladies, if you with somebody who ain't going to open the door with you and you ain't married yet, get out. <laughs> God, get out. But for real, right? It, once you know who you are, again, you'll know what to do. Well, in 1 Peter, Peter was writing to a group of believers who had been tempted to forget exactly who they were. They were tempted to forget about what they, who they were because they were so hated. They experienced unbelievable persecution. And really, the main reason why they experienced such harsh persecution was because nobody had a real understanding of who they were. The world didn't understand who they were. Do you know what the world thought Christians were? They, they had this twisted, this warped idea of who they were. They thought they were three things, basically. They really, they really thought they were superstitious. The world looked at Christians and thought they were superstitious. They thought they were incestuous, and they thought they were cannibals. Now, why would they think that? Well, first they thought they were superstitious because there were these signs and wonders that kept happening, you know. And so they thought they were just magicians making all this crazy stuff happen. Then they thought they were incestuous because Christians at the time, they had these things called love feasts. Love feasts, what's they, what they were was they would have people come to their house. They would have their brothers and sisters in Christ come to their house and they would share life with one another. They actually showed each other Loved. It wasn't, it wasn't sexual by any means, but they showed love to one another, and the world didn't understand why people would actually do that. So they would say, oh, they're with their brother. Oh, they're with their sister. That's nasty. And so they thought, again, that they were superstitious. They thought they were incestuous, and they also thought they were cannibals. Now, why did they think they were cannibals? Well, the reason why they thought they were cannibals was because of something that Jesus said. If you remember that the Last Supper, Jesus, he took some bread, and what did he say? This is my body, which is broken for you. Eat it. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Drink it. And so that's what the world thought about these believers. They completely misunderstood them. And so in First Peter, before Peter tells them what they are called to do, he starts by reminding them actually who they are. I want you to see this. In First Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9, he says this, but you are not like that. You're not like what people say. You're not superstitious. You're not incestuous. You know, you're not a cannibal. You're, you're not what people say about you. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation. Who are you? Here's what he says. You are God's special possession. For those of us who are here today and we are in Christ, we are followers of Christ, I want you to understand that you are chosen by God. You are a royal 
priest. And this would have meant so much for these first century Christians because they had tremendous respect for the priesthood. Basically what Peter was saying is that you are all ministers of God. Even though you haven't had formal education, even though you haven't had formal training, you are a member of the priesthood. And they would have been so excited because that meant that they were filled with the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the grave, man. And they knew they were called to make a difference in this world. And something else that would have encouraged them was they would have realized that they weren't alone. They weren't alone. They were part of a holy nation a nation of people they were part of a kingdom the kingdom of god this world was not their own they were a part of something bigger something broader man their bodies didn't even belong to them they belonged to god god had bought them with the precious blood of jesus christ again they literally were his possession they belonged to him and so since they belong to God, Peter goes on to say this, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. What's Peter saying? He's saying you've been transformed by Jesus. You've been chosen. You're no longer in darkness. Instead, again, you are in his wonderful Light, you've been set apart. You are called. So Peter, again, he's talking to this first century church. And he says, look, you're called to represent Christ in a world that doesn't understand you. And this world that's very skeptical, you're called to represent Christ. And that's the same call for you, and it's the same call for me. We're called to represent Christ to a world that doesn't understand Christ. They, see, 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 the world doesn't understand what we do. They may not say that we're superstitious or that we're incestuous or that we're cannibals or anything like that, but still, they, they don't understand. They look at Christians, and you know one of the things that they say about Christians? Oh, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. They look at Christians and they say, oh, those are just self-righteous people who think they're better than everybody else. They don't care about anybody else they, 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 they just they just don't that's what the world says about followers of Christ and the sad truth is is that there are many who call themselves Christians who live their life that way but Peter says that you and I are called to be different to correctly everybody say correctly we are to correctly represent Christ to a very skeptical world so once you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, I want you to see this. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. There it is again. He's reminding them of who they are. This world is not your own. And so what are we to do? He says, so keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. What did Peter say? Peter said, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. 
See, Peter doesn't say, do whatever it takes to convince them to believe what you believe. Peter doesn't, Peter doesn't say that. Peter says, we're going to show them what we believe by the way we behave. We'll show them what we believe by the way that we live our life. We're going to live honorably. And I, I believe with all of my heart that, yes, there are times when we should start out by professing Christ as Lord and Savior. But I believe more times than not, you and I have to earn the ears of other individuals. And we do that by showing them the love and grace of Jesus Christ. We need to show people what we believe by how we behave. And again, that, that builds a bridge across a very skeptical people group where you and I can actually tell them and show them the love of Christ. In other words, again, we show people what we believe by the way that we behave. And so we're called to live properly among our unbelieving neighbors. Some people who claim to follow Christ need to make sure they read that memo to live properly. See, for so many people who claim to follow Christ, there's no difference in the way they live their life versus the way that their unbelieving neighbor lives. And Peter reminds us, be careful to live properly. Then look at what he says in verse 15. Again, it just gets better and better. He said, it is God's will. Do you see this? We want to know God's will, right? We want to know what God's call is on our life. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Again, it's, it's the way that you and I live. It's not what we post on social media. It's the way that we live that silences the talk of foolish people. See, listen to me. How many of y'all have ever had somebody lie about you? Man, maybe they lied and they said you were a thief. Maybe they lied and said you were a liar. Maybe they lied and said that you were a bully. Maybe they lied and said you were a drug dealer. I don't, I don't know. The problem for so many of us is that it's easy for others to believe the lies they hear about us because we're not living very honorable lives in the first place. What? That's good preaching right there, buddy. Okay, what did you say? So what I love about this verse is that Peter doesn't say, hey, when people lie about you, you need to try to defend yourself. He doesn't say that because that's what I used to do. Anytime somebody would say something about me, I felt like I needed to defend myself. Anytime somebody would say, hey, Robert, here's what I heard. I wanted to say, well, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what really happened. Anybody, you ever been there? That's how you live? Man, I used to be like that. But just a month ago, somebody said, hey, Robert, some people that I know were saying, saying some stuff about you. They said, you did this and you did that. And I just told them when they were telling me this stuff, I said, look, that doesn't sound like the Robert that I know. I've never seen any of that kind of behavior from him. It, it, they just cut it out. And so you know what we do? We live such honorable lives that it silences the foolish accusations that ignorant people make about us. Again, I want you to see that this is a call 
to live a different kind of life. And then look at what Peter goes on to say in verse 21. Verse 21. Again, if you want to know what you're called to do, here's what you're called to do. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. See, here's what I want you to understand. You're called to do good. And there are going to be times where you do good and you suffer because of it. These first century Christians were dipped in hot wax and lit on fire as candles. These first century Christians were forced to wear the skins of dead animals and they were thrown in cages with wild dogs. They were thrown to lions. They suffered in unimaginable ways. Hopefully ways that each and every one of us will never have to worry about. But for us today, we'll still suffer. Suffering for Jesus might mean that you don't get the promotion because you weren't willing to compromise on your beliefs. Because you were living boldly for Jesus, it doesn't happen. You may not get invited to the party because you're living boldly for Jesus. Other kids at school might make fun of you because you're living boldly for Jesus. You might lose your boyfriend or your girlfriend because you refuse to make compromises sexually, but you continue to live for, with Jesus and you continue to do good because it is the right thing to do. Peter says, Jesus is our example. We must follow his steps. What were his steps? He was loving. He was gentle. He was kind. He was full of grace. What was he not? He was never arrogant. He was never rude. He was never condescending. He was never, ever proud. He was never defensive. He was never hateful. Who was Jesus? He was the sinless son of God who loved the unlovable and showed grace to people who we wouldn't have thought deserved grace. And then you got to see what else Peter goes on to say about Jesus. This is amazing. Look at verse 22. It says he never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. I mean, do you see that? This is the Savior. This is our Savior. This is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who never sinned, the one who never retaliated when someone did something wrong to him. And Peter goes on to say, that's how we're supposed to be. And he goes on to say that we are to do good. But let's be honest. People who don't know Christ, they, they can do good, right? I mean, it happens every day. I know some people who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. I know some people who hate church with a passion. I know some people who just don't want anything to do with God, but they still do amazingly good things. 
They do. So what Peter is talking about takes our faithfulness and our obedience to a whole nother level of different. Because what is normal? What is normal? Normal is to do good to people you like, right? Normal is when somebody criticizes you, you respond with criticism to them, right? Normal is when somebody shows you hate, what do you show them? You show them hate in return. Well, Peter again says that our call is different. You don't just have an eternal call to come to Christ. You don't just have this eternal call for a temporary assignment. You have this, this call to be different each and every day of your life. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And I can't help but think that there's somebody here right now who you're struggling with something. Somebody has hurt you and you were just so upset about it. What I want you to understand is that you have an opportunity to respond in a way that can give God glory, but you've got to see it as an opportunity. You've got to respond differently. And then Peter says something amazing in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. What are you called to do? This is it. He says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, what do followers do? What do followers of Christ do? You repay them back with a blessing. Let that soak in for just a second. Repay them back with a blessing. We don't return evil for evil. We don't retaliate with insults. We pay back with a blessing. He says, this is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. What are we called to do? Jesus says, hey, look, when somebody asks you to go a mile with them, you know what you do? You go two miles. Jesus says, hey, you know what? When somebody asks you for your shirt, you know what you give them? You give them your coat as well. Jesus says, hey, you know what? When somebody has a need, you step up and you meet that need. When somebody hates you, you pray for them because you're called to live differently that's what we are called to and so what i what i want you to understand is again when you know who you are you'll know what you're called to do and what i want each person to think about is the fact that you are on call see some of us know what it's like to have a job where you're on call right where your phone may ring at any time of the day and when it rings you know what you got to respond you got to jump to action why because you're on call, like the police, you know what I'm saying? Whenever there's something that happens, something going on, what do they do? They're on call. And so have you ever been driving down the road, and all of a sudden, you see those blue lights come on, and you're like, man, they're pulling me over. And so you slow down, but then they, whoop, whoop, that's the sound of the police, whoop, you know what I'm talking about? Anyway, so anyway, but, but so you'll see them, and they just, you, you're like, man, I got to get out of the way. Why? Because they're responding to something that's important, Right? 
their, their, own, their own call. They've got something important to do. Well, what I want you to understand again is that if you are a follower of Christ, you are on call. You've got something very important to do. That means when you go to the grocery store and you see somebody who has a need, you enter the grocery ministry. You know what I'm saying? Because you are on call. When you go to work and there's somebody who's struggling and having a bad day, you know what you say? I'm going to be the one that encourages them today because I am on call. When you see somebody who just has any type of need, you say, you know what? God's called me to be a servant. I'm on call, not just a call to come to know Christ, not just a call to a temporary assignment, but this call to live my life differently. We are on call. We're on call. You and I, again, we've been called out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And the darker it is, the brighter the light will shine. You're called. You're called. Are you on call? Are you on call? When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So with every head bowed and every eye closed.